Episode 29. Oh my god, what does 30 mean? Is it a special one? Yep. Yep. Over the hill. Hump. Yeah. Here's some music. Come to me, my love. Because were you doing the same, sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, Yeah. what is this kind of like? So you're thinking Muse, I'm right? I'm thinking Muse, yeah, the vocalist. Yeah. Any other spring to mind? Um, Radiohead? Yeah. It's like you can hear a million things in yeah. there, isn't it? Lovely. I'm thinking as well, I keep, although I totally hear what you're saying... Um, my mind instantly went back to like the 70s stuff, mm. like Led Zeppelin, which is obviously a bit heavier. But that's cool. That's by someone called Aaron, E-R-A-N, Carniel, K-A-R-N-I-E-L. And that's Aaron Carniel on, uh, on SoundCloud. Is that the name of the album, When Spirits Cry? Yeah, When Spirits Cry. Because you kind of get the vibe, don't you, with, the, with that name and, and the... Uh, the the music in terms of I think there's a kind of deep understanding there or looking deeper into the world and and our existence perhaps yeah the whole the whole EP is like that that song is called Come to Me um, the whole the whole EP is like that but the whole EP is very is obviously in a similar similar style mm. um, and in that kind of quite deep and dreamy sort of mood so there's six tracks on that EP and if you go to um, from that SoundCloud, go to the website. You can download them all for free. Uh, so go ahead, come to me, Erin Carniel. Lovely stuff. Lovely way to start episode twenty-nine. Yes. Uh, so what what we got to talk about today? Well, we got to talk about Brad, Mister Lazarus. He's a he's a very entertaining and clever man um, who has a major major background in uh, working with artists, managing, um, and his major project at the moment is um, helping uh, pub singers, if you like, or singers who are in that realm where they want to take it up a notch and get paid a lot more. His project now is helping them to achieve a higher level of status and find the sort of gigs that are going to get you that kind of money. And that's kind of what, that was, I guess, our, a lot of our journey can be, um, we, can, we can feel that, can't we? Yeah, yeah. It's hard, because you live your own life, don't you? You live your own life and you, and you, you, you take your own journey and you only know what you know. Um, especially if you, if you don't um, talk to people. Mm. But, um, so what we, we only, as far as, um, obviously we know a lot about voice, we know a lot about, Coaching. You said that in that that sort of like, oh, this is embarrassing. I know so much about voice. I um, mean, come on. It's difficult when you're just so well connected. Did I just flippantly uh. toss that to the side? Like? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm talking about. In especially in relation to gigging, as we've just taken our very very unprofessional um, route in gigging, and um, and we just made it work for us, didn't we? 
Well, yeah, I think I think a line. We did a gig last night, didn't we? And yeah. uh, we've been performing with the same four piece for like over eleven years now, which is a ruddy long time. Uh, same lineup and everything, and we have just. I think we've got worse from day one. There's no thinking about it. I mean, it's <laughs> horrendous. Because at the end of the day, we have fun, and we just do what we do, and we do refine the songs. We got dance moves. We got harmonies. And because we do take pride in our singing, the vocals are good. But our sort of, uh, our approach... Lackadaisical? Yeah, it's just mental, because we just have, we have fun first and foremost. And that seems to ring or strike a chord with the crowds that we play for. But that girl last night said, um, in the middle of a song... Whilst we were arsing around again... She, her exact words were, you get paid for this. <laughs> and clearly she was a little bit, well, she was tongue-in-cheek, because um, obviously she got the vibe, didn't she? Yeah, because in the end, although she's she's kind of gobsmacked that we behave in this way, but we get the result that we do. And the result that we get is, actually, not look at these knobheads, <laughs> but, but it's actually like... It, it, they can sing, but they like a laugh. Yeah, they like a laugh. It's It's breaks down barriers straight away and um, and everyone feels like actually we're on the same level as everyone in that room and we become approachable and we don't look like divas or anything like that because that lady and ended up being an events manager for a very large company and she took our business card at the end despite looking at us in dif- disbelief and asking that question. Mm. So I think that's amazing. And uh, we certainly, as singers, have gone through that hole. We performed in bars for like five, six years, and then suddenly the gigs become more high profile. And in a lot of way- ways, we have moved with that in the way that we dress and the way that we've choreographed the act and stuff like that. Um, and then websites and promotional material, videos and everything like that. But Brad... Um, can take it that one step further where as we know high-end clients who would pay you much more money which is awesome they do expect or certainly are swayed by much higher levels of service than your pub musician would give them and Brad in this podcast has given you just like loads of gems about how to uh, how to approach and deal with the clients if you want that kind of thing and if you want more money, you know, that's what you've got to do. That's what you've got Who to doesn't do. want more money? Step it up. You know, for the same stuff. So here he is then. Welcome, Brad Lazarus. Risen from the dead, as you said. <laughs> that's the one, yeah. How are you doing, guys? I wish I knew the story. What is the story? Do you know what? I actually don't know. <laughs> do you... It just sounds cool to dish I'm out only, every time. I'm only, I've only been on this world for 41 years and had that name and I still don't know the story of what who <laughs> Lazarus was. I know. Actually, you're the first people that's ever asked me that. But pr- pretty hardcore, though, he sounds, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to kind of call it I'm resurrecting careers. GiggingSuccess.com, which helps bands and acts make their way into the corporate arena. Is there anything within this industry you haven't done? Um, yeah, um, well, actually, no, I mean, I think, the, I think <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I think that the whole, yeah, I suppose there's this couple of elements. I mean, effectively what, what I was doing with, um, as a plugger was effectively putting, you know, our clients were 
record companies and artists and we'd effectively go to like you know top of the pops and mtv playlist meetings and try and you know push the axe and get them on effectively it's quite a thankless task that job actually so um it doesn't because uh, you know you work really hard to get the act onto the media and that's actually quite an achievement but it's what everybody expects you to do so your client kind of expects you to do that, but you've actually worked really hard to make right. that happen in actual fact. So. so the benchmark for your job is actually pretty heavy. In that regard, yeah, yeah. And you don't get hugely rewarded for that um, because if the artist goes off to have like a multi-platinum selling album, like we worked on Tom Jones' Reload. Do you remember that? When yeah. he kind of relaunched himself with the duet album. Yeah. Exactly, all of that stuff. And we worked so hard because at the time, you know, Tom wasn't, this big kind of, you know, Sir Tom Jones legend that we know now, that was the start of his kind of resurrection. Oh, there you go. That was the start of his resurrection. You did it again. I did it. I didn't even know it. And um, so, so at the time, it was quite a hard sell. You know, he was a, you know, he was a bit of a kind of an old kind of has-been-y type, you know. So, um, yeah, we worked really hard. And then that album just absolutely took off, off the back of, you know, the promotion, really. So, uh, but yeah, so that, and then kind of moved on from that and set up my own management company and signed a couple of acts to, to labels, uh, to a couple of major labels. Um, but the time, the music business was kind of changing and morphing into, you know, where it was now. It was in the early days of Napster. Do you remember Napster? Yeah. Mm. So it was all it was all kind of being messed up for want of another way of describing it. So I moved, I kind of shifted my ma- I shifted my kind of focus into managing and marketing cover bands into that corporate and private event market. Really, I saw that as a more of a consistent stream of income for me. And I saw a lot of bands. It's amazing when you're in the music business and you're a plugger, and you know you see this conveyor belt of artists kind of coming along and then maybe one out of 10 might get something they might get a bite but the other nine just drop off the end of the conveyor belt it's quite a brutal kind of process when you when i think back to it now it's really like it's this conveyor belt of like churn uh, you know labels kind of churning out artists and hoping some something will stick and if they don't they just kind of chuck them out the the back end you know and i saw all these musicians i was with all these musicians and and performers that you know had amazing talent and i saw this kind of opportunity to really kind of help them um because as we know i mean a lot of performers and musicians find it difficult to market and promote themselves they're amazingly brilliant at what they do and the performing side of it to actually go out and market themselves and to package themselves up and to brand themselves and position themselves and go and generate leads and earn a living it's it's uh it's, 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 you know, to get your head around that is, uh, is not easy when that's not what you went into it to do. Exactly. Yeah. The, the business mind against the artistic mind. There you go. Absolutely. But actually, but actually so many of the most successful artists in the world are great business people, aren't they? Like Jay-Z. Yeah. That's questionable after his last venture though, isn't it? What but, did he yeah. say? Well, his whole, he just launched Tidal, didn't he? Oh, is it that, oh, is it yeah. that Spotify type thing? Yeah, yeah, where they kind of all gathered around with a whole load of champagne, toasting to their millionaire, billionaire status, effectively. And, and, and videoed it. And videoed it, And yeah. showed it out to everyone. I did I know. see something like that, and then somebody made a wonderful parody of it. Oh, no, no, it's not a parody, but they just put stuff over it saying, look at these poor souls. Uh, yes. Without, you know, who can't 
who mm. can't tan for the 15th time that day. I know. There was, a real back- there was a real backlash on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dre's done all right, hasn't he? He has done all right. He's kind of done all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's kind of done all right. Um, yeah. So let's talk about, like, we have a background in this. Obviously, your history is steeped in this, but why f- today can someone be professional as a musician or a singer? Is it worth it? Is there a decent income there? Talk to us about that. What are your thoughts on people who might be thinking to embark on either fully professional or semi-professional? Yeah, I mean, it's quite, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, it's quite apt you kind of bring this up. Now, yesterday I was at, um, I was asked to go down to the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance, which is just off, yeah, just off uh, Kilburn High Road in London. And um, I was talking to all, you know, students in their final year and some of the kind of alumni on their first second year out and you know talking about what their options were what you know what path and direction and I think fundamentally it's this word portfolio you you I think in this modern day kind of music business if you like if you want to earn a living and you know when I say earn a living I don't I mean you know you can go down that route of you know throwing all your eggs in that I'm going to go out and write my own material and get signed by a major label type route. But it's very risky because the probability is low. So I think that you, you have to find other opportunities to earn an income. And I think that seems to come from this, port, this idea of the portfolio career where you have got multiple kind of revenue streams, multiple income streams, all related to music. Mm. And what would they be, Brad? What are what, what, what these multiple income streams well i mean i know from from the from the musicians that i work with and manage as part of my cover bands you know i i we 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 manage the the band leader and his cover band brand in that sense so that band leader can be a vocalist who's then put the band around him so he's got the income coming in from the band then he's also got maybe he's doing some music teaching um then he i know a couple of the guys in the band mend instruments um then uh i know with like a band like the milestones you know they they launched uh ibibio sound machine which then went on to have some success got signed by a pretty large independent had a few um later with jules performances and are now on the circuit uh for the festivals for the summer season and stuff so they've seen a revenue stream come from that but in the meantime they're also working hard on the function band uh which is bringing in a lot of uh income for them session work i mean like the possibilities are endless and i think it's it's up to the individual to to look at what their um skill set is and go out and talk to people and find out how they can almost it's a businessy kind of word but ultimately i am a kind of marketer businessman but how do you monetize your talent Right there, it is. That's, yeah. that's our quote for the. That's uh, why I said go. I yeah. said it. I said the word. I said the word monetize. <laughs> and it's true. It, you do see that with a lot of people that they feel that their career path is chosen, that their direction is chosen, and that you know certainly from speaking to lots of people from in my studio who are actually original writers, creative, sometimes feel like their actual artistic integrity would be seriously damaged by going out and doing a covers gig mm. <laughs> you know mm. and that's where that's where we have that conversation of like yeah but do you realize that it does fund your other endeavors without without a lot of a lot of singers without that function band income 
the uh, the sort of money that you need to put into studio and production of EPs and whatnot comes from that and can easily come from that. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's th- this was a big topic of conversation yesterday when I was talking to the students uh, because you know you can kind of you, what do you want to do? Do you want to go out and and work in a part time job to fund your you know in in something that you don't really enjoy to fund your original material, or do you want to go out and perform and be paid well for it? Mm. You know, I, I, well, for most people, I think the, the choice is potentially obvious. I'm not a performer, so maybe I'm not best placed, but it, it's of to, to, to kind of comment on that, as in which one would I want to do. But I, I'm talking from, from you know, the, the tens and hundreds of performers that I talk to. Um, yeah, actually, they would prefer to go and do the covers thing. Um, and earn a consistent living and be paid well for performing. That's so true. And we do end up slagging off real jobs on this program quite often, don't we, Steve? Yeah. yeah that's... Do you really want to go and work in an office? And then we always have to do the disclaimer of there's nothing wrong with working in an office. <laughs> Unless you've done it for five years and you don't want to do it. <laughs> like, like us. No. No, so that's a, I think it's a lot of it in mindset, though, especially with young people, isn't it? Because you do, yeah, blue in the... Especially with young people. Steve, Steve. <laughs> How old am I? Um, but you... You know what I mean? Like, you can say it as much as you want. Because um, I often have this conversation as well with students. Is, oh, I want to write my music. and I want to, But, well, how about just a, hypothetically, if you went out and gigged twice a week and you had the whole week free to write and be artistic? Yeah. Or, alternatively, you can go and work five days a week and then not and then feel tired when you get home and not do that. I don't know where the breakdown is. I don't know where the... Where the um, yeah, where the communication breaks down there. But a lot of people, whether it is just the mindset of, I want this given to me, I don't really want to work for it at all. Mm. I think that's probably what it is. Well, and as well, there is the, I mean, to quote the story of the Beatles, which was on, a, I can't remember which book it was I read, something. But anyway, they got sent out to Germany to play in a nightclub. Mm. Um, six hours a day, I might add, and they were playing covers. <laughs> Well, this is, uh, I don't know if you know Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. Right, there you go. It's, you know, they went and performed 10,000 hours worth of almost covers. Yeah. You know, before they became, before they, yeah, before they became the Beatles, you know. So um, it's, it's kind of had a bit of a kind of a dirty covers has had a bit of, of dirt, a connotation of kind of dirty about it. It's like a, it's like a, oh, well, you lack integrity if yeah, you, you're, a if you're doing the, yeah. But actually, if you look at the jazz world, you know, it's, it's, it's really not seen like that at all. I mean, I, one of the acts that I signed to a label was a guy called Ray Gelato. I used to manage him. who was one of, you know, generally considered uh, whether he is now or not, but at the time, many years ago, it was like one of the foremost kind of swing acts in this country. Um, not that that's a huge market. Does he make but, great know, ice cream as well? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he went on to, yeah, went on to be a manufacturer. No, he was, um, he, uh, he, uh, he, you know, we used to, everything we put out there was covers. So you can kind of, you know, he was a recording artist putting out covers and then, you know, peppering that with his own material every, you know, maybe one or two an album. Mm. But he was seen as a great performer. 
You know, it was the performance element he was kind of almost being judged on rather than his songwriting. That is interesting. Or me- yeah, or the message the standards, that he then you don't yeah. you don't really play jazz, do you? If you don't really know any of the standards. Exactly. Yeah. And that is what it's all about. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. So and you can just, you know, you can vouch for it, I guess, and we can that you know, if anyone's having um second thoughts about going into music, um having trained in it and whether it does sustain a living, um, it, your, your website giggingsuccess.com does help people to try and realise a decent income from um, music specifically uh, cover bands right yeah I mean we're specifically kind of I'm specifically kind of uh, uh, niche down into the world of kind of cover bands because that's naturally kind of where I've come from and what I've done you know so what I'm doing effectively with gigging success is taking the not the marketing knowledge that you know i've amassed over the last few years that has given you know that has enabled me to grow and get more gigs for my roster of bands and i'm bringing really just bringing that into gigging success um so at at giggingsuccess.com you know there's some blogs where i'll kind of talk through some strategies you know how to get testimonials and you know that type of thing various different marketing and sales kind of strategies and we also do a podcast where i talk to other cover band musicians that have had success um and we try try and break down what they've done to to so we can actually so people can kind of go away and feel inspired as well as have some elements of kind of um stuff that they can take action on as well and that's what we want to cover right now yeah well what a segue look at you well done so here's the thing brad let's say there is a 17 year old person who is very intelligent and and they listen to our advice which is the right advice um which is no other there's no other advice you've got to take this path i i don't want an office job i i'm going to go and put the work in and uh work on my my covers band act and business Mm. and they've got that mentality which is brilliant so what do they do and is it I mean, I guess it's finding out what they sh- what what their market is first. Is that is is that is that the first thing? And if so, when how would they find that? Yeah, I mean, look, the principles the the principles to market anything, where product or service are ultimately the same. The frameworks are very similar. So you wouldn't. And I think the 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 issue that I think a lot of performers have is is they do what they do because they really passionately love to do it. But actually, if if you're going to go out into a marketplace and offer your services, you need to f- you need to understand what that market is and what they want. So the first step, as you rightly say, is 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 understand who your market is. You know, what do you have to offer and who do you think it might appeal to best and kind of hone that down? You know, so if you're a performer that wants to just perform in public if, public shows like bars and pubs and clubs then, you know, understand what types, um, where are they, you know, what, uh, who, who books those types of shows, what types of audiences do they bring in? Mm. Um, and you really start to kind of hone that down a bit. If you're going into the world of kind of weddings um, and corporate events, what types of events are they? What kind of types and styles of music do those types of events have? You know, what kind of clear on, what kind of audiences are, are are, are going to be at those types of events you know who how are you going to get those types of gigs are you going to go directly to the final booker or you're going to go through an event planner or an entertainment agent so you just need to think that stuff through because as soon as you start thinking through who your audience is and who you have to appeal to you'll start to kind of mold and shape what it is 
that you've got that you're offering mm. to that best appeals to it and it is a balance no one's looking to kind of you know kind of sell you out so to speak that's the kind of phrase isn't it it's like um it's about finding that balance between what the market what who the market is what the market wants and what what you can offer it while still maintaining your enthusiasm and enjoyment in what it is that you do right on yes and and you know i don't want to be about the money right although i am partly um, yeah, uh, I don't but, think there's anything wrong with that. That's not, what not, that I've got expensive tastes, so I need well, to yeah. feel them, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to be ashamed, but um, but one thing that can be said for knowing your market as well is actually knowing the fee level. And I think we, we discovered this though over 10 years, is that um, you, you can kind of do the public gigs. They are much, much less paid than yeah. the private stuff. So that's one thing to consider. But... Um, in terms of uh, building public opinion on you um, and generating, you know, sort of traffic on your Facebook page and people going, oh, I just happened to see you here. What a great night, bloody, blah, blah, blah. They're actually very, very useful for that, for building a reputation and getting in front of as many people as regularly as possible. Mm. Um, that's what I find. But like we say, if you're going to go for the lucrative side of things, knowing exactly what the going rate is for a five-piece band from a pub to a wedding yeah. is actually, I think people get shocked about how how much of a disparity in price that is. Well, the, the simple economics of playing in a venue, unless you're getting, unless you're bringing in 200 bums on seats that are paying 15 pounds a head. And even if you're doing that, you know, there's a lot of costs involved with the venue and the staffing and the VAT and all the rest of it. There's always a ceiling. There's going to be a ceiling on the types of fees. Now, there'll be a ceiling in, in the corporate and private market, of course. But, you know, if you think now you think down to like playing to 50 people in a in a local pub, you know, this, there's almost no cash knocking around there. You know, you're adding value to the people aren't generally paying to come in. So they're not paying to see you directly. So there's always going to be a ceiling on the fees that you can get in those types of venues, you know. But when you go into a the value that you offer a private or corporate client is seen in very different terms, you're seen as very much the person that's going to really enhance and make the event in in the wedding or private or corporate event arena. So they place a different they place a higher value on you in that regard. Mm. Does that make sense? Am yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think that will help people realise what their job is um, as a singer in those different environments, as in a lot more is expected of you as a performer than by the corporate client or the wedding client. I think I think so, yes. You're not you're you're you know, you don't want to put yourself under too much pressure, but yeah, you know, you are there to enhance the event and to add value to the event effectively. And if you're going and playing at a wedding, you're there to create memories for a lifetime for your client and their guests. I mean that you know, again, don't want to put anyone under too much pressure, but that's the reality. You've, you're, you've got a job to do in that sense, you know, and the most successful performers really understand that and they can communicate that they're going to be able to deliver that on the night. And that's why they get booked. Yes, absolutely. And that, that would come down to what we talk about in this podcast, right, Steve, about actually being prepared in terms of vocally and mm. training and background. Because without that, you probably can't confidently step up your um, income without having actually something more to offer than your average pop singer. 
Yeah, and knowing what it is that you're offering, you know, from a vocal perspective, yes, but, you know, what vocally exactly? I mean, one thing I wanted to kind of mention as well, I I think this is, I always see there's very much a distinction um, between um, an artist that's looking to grow a fan base and then, I'm going to use the word again, and then look to monetize it, whether that be through selling merchandise, ticket sales for live shows, etc. There's There's that. And then on on the other side, which is the side that I talk about, is how are you going to generate leads and inquiries from individuals that want to book you for their event? And you need to adopt two quite different strategies for both of those. There's plenty of information out there for, you know, music marketing information out there on how you can do the first one which is build a fan base. You know, you can get onto social media and you build your list and then you communicate with them and, you know, offer them something. And there was that article, 1,000 fans, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, that's that world. But there's not a lot out there which is talking about what I talk about in Gigging Success, which is actually what we're doing is we're in a client-facing business and we're looking to generate leads and inquiries from individuals that are looking to, to spend premium fees to have you perform at their event um so they're, they're just two different different strategies and different takes but but i think uh, you know a real significant distinction there come on then brad you can't you can't dangle the carrot like that <laughs> what <laughs> what what would how would somebody go about doing that i know it's in a nutshell if you can but just one or two tips on how to to go about securing well i mean i suppose that begs the question is you know how do you go and find these people that might want to go and book you um ultimately this you know that's that's kind of called lead generation it's like generating inquiries so you know the first thing that you really i would say one of the first few things is once you've got past that point well what are you going to offer who are you going to offer it to then you want to get some element of a promotional pack together that might mean a basic website a basic promo material some audio get your repertoire list sorted out all the things put yourself in the mind of that prospect that is looking who was that person that you came up with that you thought through? Maybe let's call it a bride, for example. What, is she, what does she need to know from you to help make her decision? So she'll need to see what you look like performance-wise, live, audio, as I say, repertoire, some element of images on your website, um, maybe some testimonials, for example. Now, there's, you know, there's quite a lot of things there. Once you've got that and you've got the basics of that, you then got to think to yourself, well, where is she? How am I going to get how am I going to get that bride to come to my website or to come and see me do my thing so she can at least see what it is that I have to offer and consider me? And that's when you get into the world of, well, you need to be kind of looking to kind of drive traffic to your website. So think about where is she before she books uh, her venue? What is, what is her path as she goes to get her wedding details sorted out or she's going to book a venue she's going to go and get her dress she's going to go and get um you know maybe she gets a wedding planner um maybe she you know so you're, you're thinking about all this now how can you be there at the same time how can you be mm-hmm. when she's going out and looking for a venue well how can you be there well maybe you can start to forge some relationships with venues how can you uh, maybe you can start to forge some relationships with wedding planners, for example. And I do like how you write on your website, Brad, by the way. Mm. And don't just walk in there saying, can I have some gigs? 
Yeah. <laughs> or that might be your free booklet, right? That song, Gigging Success. It's a little bit more time and tact, right, involved in that. Yeah, well, nobody likes, nobody really kind of likes somebody to come in all guns blazing and, you know, go, you know, what can you give me? You know, you want to kind of go and add some element of value first, possibly, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just a kind of a mindset thing to start building the relationship, you know. Send them thank you. You know, go and go and ask if you can maybe kind of pop into the venue. See if you can see if you can, you know, uh, have a chat with the venue coordinator. Um, you know, maybe take in something, a little gift for them or something. And when you've left, maybe send them a thank you card. Thanks for your time. You know, you're just building a relationship with these people, you know. Um, so that's kind of one side of it. The other side of it, and what we do a lot of is, you know, is, is, is paying for website traffic through things like Google AdWords or Facebook ads, that type of thing as well. That might be a little bit kind of an, of, of an advanced kind of strategy, but, um, you know, you're really directly, you know, if somebody's looking for a, a specific type of style of band for their wedding, if you can be right there on Google when they're looking, specifically looking for that, you know, you're giving yourself a fantastic chance of of um, putting yourself in front of them um, and them taking notice of you. Well, you that's know. it. And, you know, you know, um, for the people that look into business, just before we get into the last area, um, musicians might not be aware that in Facebook you can market to females within a certain age range that have just changed their status to engaged. Whoa. Which is like, whoa, okay. I mean, that's fairly... Yeah. And that, te- that it's annoying learning about that, right? Because I hate reading techie crap but when you think when you boil it down like that facebook does have the ability to target people in such a fashion that is kind of mind-blowing at times um uh but so say they've got that gig gigs bear gigs as a lot of us find out actually when you do a good job Mm. so taking that thought in mind how can a band then create an experience for their client that gets them to refer them where'd you get that from um so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh the, the yeah, exchange I, of emails that was secret brad secret yeah. that was secret. almost seamless until you <laughs> it was until i ruined it yeah um yeah i look the bottom line is it is it, you're offering a service so i always say this idea that you know most a lot of performers think oh we just need to 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 really perform well on the night and it's like well yeah you do but actually that's why they booked they they kind of almost expecting you to do that it's the reason they booked you they wouldn't have booked you if they thought you weren't going to do a good job so in order to be able to go maybe one or two or three steps beyond that to create this amazing experience for your client ultimately is do other things around it you know make it utterly seamless for the booking to happen so for example you know when when they're or or do things that surprise and delight them for example so you can you know what we tend to do is when when somebody books we'll send them a welcome pack in the welcome pack will be um like a short a letter saying hi thanks for kind of being a part of you know the family so to speak um really pleased to have you here are some of the things that you might want to know about now here are some faqs answers to some faqs we'll put in a couple of little sweets or chocolates for them as well just to kind of and then a cd so the cd and then we say look why don't you use this cd play it in your car so you can get into the mood 
for your wedding day nice. or your, you know, that or your 40th birthday, whatever it might be. While they're playing that in the car, you know, their friend might be in there. You know, all of a sudden that you become the talking point because they're playing your CD in the car. Um, so you become, you, you create this great experience for them, which is, you know, lifts them, makes them really positive about you, which is going to make your experience of performing at their event on the day a lot kinder as well because it can be quite stressful when you're going to venues and you know you're look you want to get fed and you know you want to find a changing room of some sort you know they'll there's a you know that'll make that process easier but you also become referable you you create this talking so not are you not are you not only are you going to you know, perform really well on the night and people are going to talk about your performance, but they're going to talk about the experience that they had with you. And that makes you referable. You become, you know, there was a marketer called Seth Godin who talked yeah. about being remarkable. So people will remark on you because of the extra mile that you went, the extra step you went to make their, the experience, um, you know, so enjoyable. I think we've become utterly unremarkable over time, Steve. Yeah, I think that comes with just doing it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so easy to fall into that trap as well. You know, I don't think you have actually. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's the gigs. I'm it's quite that, happy with it's, it. It's, it's, the, it's because we have to perform extra freaking good because we're late. <laughs> um, we have to make up for those times when we're not seamless by singing really, really well. Yeah. Is that on your list, Brad? Because I'm not what, sure. What, singing well bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. After turning up really late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was it, do you know what? There's nothing more stressful than a performer turning up late He's if it's your event. He's told us off, Steve. Brad has told us off. I will too, because I, to, I, I tell my bands off for this as well. It's like, if you're going to be late, put a call in. Oh, we do someone. that. Yeah, we do oh, that. Oh, there you go. Well, then you can be late. Yeah, we just say, yeah. oh, the traffic is absolute murder. Yeah. You know? But that's awesome. Thanks, Brad. It's great Thank advice. You. Yeah, it's really, great advice. really. So people can reach you. We mentioned it a couple of times. Um, GiggingSuccess.com. Um, they can reach out to you there, join your newsletter. As you said, and I've looked on, there's tons of blog posts, even with some um, uh, some guest writers talking about websites like the guy from Banzoogle. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of free content to be consumed there, right? A lot of free content to be consumed. Yeah, lots of podcast stuff. So when you're driving to gigs and stuff, that's the time to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. And you have um, in the pipeline also a course that bands can do to educate them more. Yeah, well, it's out there at the moment. It's not on kind of general release. It's like if you sign up to the list, to my to my list at giggingsuccess.com, you know, you'll get notified when that's open. But yeah, it's it's called Beyond Bar Band. And what, what we identified was there was a number of... Um, there was a number of kind of bands and performers, and I know it's about bands, but a lot of, as I hopefully have demonstrated here, the concepts are, are equally uh, applicable to whether you're a solo performer or whether you're in, you know, a 15-piece band. But what we did identify was that there were bands that were playing in bars, pubs, and clubs, and they were frustrated. We touched on this before. They were frustrated by the ceiling of the fees that they couldn't go above but they'd kind of tasted that oh hang on a minute there is some there's some money to be made in this corporate and private event market but how do you bridge that gap between the bar and pub stuff gigs and getting into that uh the world of private and corporate events and that's what i what i talk about and what i show and what i teach in the course is is everything really that i've been doing with my bands 
for the last you know kind of seven or eight years really so that's what's in the course yeah so if, if anyone's interested get you know sign up at gigingsuccess.com and when when we o- open that up for the next round of enrollment you know it will uh, you'll know about it great Excellent. really practical and yeah. gigging success is your twitter name as well right at gigging success yeah that's right that's yeah. it so if, guys yeah. if you want to reach out to brad on uh, twitter please go and follow him any questions you've got bash him over but we do recommend getting across to gigging success there is a free even a free booklet if you sign up to the uh, uh mailing list which is is it six tips it's it's where well, it's five the six is a secret one which oh. you've just blown oh yeah i've wrecked that haven't i <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, but it, yeah, I don't even know. No, no, no I'm joking. No, edit, there is. You know what? It's, 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 look, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff, but there's a, there's a few kind of quick start things that you can do. Um, and yeah, that's what's in the PDF. And we just, I just kind of talk through a few, you know, just a few things that you can kind of do, which I've been doing for, for a number of different, for a number of years, which, which have really helped. So actually, if you go to giggingsuccess.com forward slash naked vocalist, there'll be a specific kind of page where you can go and uh, sign up and, and get on the list there. Excellent. But um, as always, listeners, we'll put that in the show notes, uh, a link if you haven't managed to remember it. But it's easy. Gigging.com forward slash naked vocalist. Giggingsuccess.com. You forgot it. Oh. This is that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably time to go, Brad. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you, guys. It's been fun, I have to say. Always fun, actually. Yeah, we've spoken before, haven't we? And it's always been fun. So thank you so much, both of you. Yeah. We'll see you again soon. All right. Cheers. Cheers. There he goes, then. There he's. I think he's cycling off. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he got on his bike there and just cycled off just now. In his um, Speedos. (laughs) Is that that typical cycling gear? (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean Speedos. I mean the um, um, cycling. No, Steve, stop. Brad, the first thing Steve can imagine you in is a little pair of swimming trunks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that says about what he thinks about cycling or what he thinks about you. It's not speed. I didn't mean speedos. Either way. You know what I meant. Do I? Cycling shorts with the word speedos on them. <laughs> I don't know if they make cycling shorts. <laughs> they do in my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I didn't think. I didn't think little red pants. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Should we just say bye? Well, yeah, just one thing, though. If you do get the chance to pop along to our website, thenakedvocalist.com, and pop your details into the little name and email address boxes, um, you'll be part of our gang. Yeah, and we can tell you about things that are happening that you'll be really interested in. But, uh, but it's probably best we go now. Probably best we should run, really, yeah. So after all that palaver. Sorry, Brad. You're going to say sorry? Cheers. I mean, sorry. Okay.